Hi everyone, it's our Mother's Day podcast and I just want to know how are you doing out there? I've been thinking about moms, we've been talking at family time classes for the last week about what it really means to be a mom. Take that moment if you haven't already, that moment to think how you've been changed, how you've grown into this incredible experience, how you feel about the big picture of being a mom, of the joy, the celebration, the awesomeness, the miracleness, and then the day-to-day I made worries, a list of all the family time challenges, struggles, exhaustion. I made a list of all the See Me, Hear Me, Love Me podcasts that have to do with moms and motherhood and self-care and exhaustion and the mental load. Boy, it's 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 dozens of podcasts, and I'll be posting those in the next week. But I just want you to think about you. Take time. I know from talking to moms that Mother's Day is often spent taking care of your mother and your mother-in-laws and all those special women that have mothered you since you were little or even now. And you sometimes get lost in the shuffle of juggling other people's Mother's Days. So I want you to listen to this podcast and think about celebrating yourself for Mother's Day finding that time, that moment, that space where you can honor all that you are, all that you've become, all that you still want to be. This is such a fluid, impermanent, changing identity and journey that I just want you to know that Um, that we are all thinking of you and you know that every mother is thinking about all the other mothers out there that um, share this crazy, crazy um, experience. So what I want you to do is think about self-care for this podcast, for this minute, for this time to to be alone with yourself. Um, So there's a lot of things that self-care is not. Self-care is not trying to be more perfect. Self-care is not being more fit, more um, relaxed by pressure. It's about letting go and knowing that you are enough as you are, that all of your imperfections make you a better mother because you forgive your child the experience of being with a real human being and um, who's flawed and resilient and bounces back from mistakes and frustration and challenges and wakes up every morning or after that second cup of coffee and realizes, okay, I'm going to do this again um, with love for myself, for my family, for my children, for this world. So it's about forgiveness and enoughness. It's about gentleness. It's not about pressure. It's not about doing more or being more. Please, we don't need you to be perfect mothers. We don't need you to be perfect people or perfect parents. So um, what I want you to do for this Mother Mother's Day is think about what you really need. You know, that whole idea of self-care has to do with every aspect of care. It has to do with certainly your emotional well-being. I mean, because I'm such a committed 
believer in emotional intelligence, I know that that starting with emotional intelligence, starting exactly where you are, whether that's frustration or joy, whether that's ease when happiness, whether it's anger at, at how did all of this get so unfair or so demanding, I want you to start with what you might really, really need You know, the secret to teaching our children is always figuring out what they need in a moment. Um, And the best way to do that is practice thinking how to identify what we really need. So maybe it's a massage, maybe it's a mani-pedi, but maybe it's a walk on the beach, maybe it's a nap. You know, only you know what you really, really, really need. And, And I don't mind if you pause this podcast right now and spend the rest of the day just thinking about what would make you feel like there's a little more space and peace and comfort in your day. I need you to take care of yourself physically, of course, because you know that parenting is a marathon and an endurance test. And if you've got a child in an oppositional stage, like my favorite um, 18 month to 28 months, if you've got that two-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old who challenges you, who, uh, who, who is never exhausted, Uh, then I need you to know that the only way you're going to have the resilience to be there for your child is to really take care of yourself physically. Socially, is that maybe even bigger than the emotional? Because we know that loneliness is such a big part of this world that we live in. We are connected and not connected. So if you're feeling alone, I mean, certainly my message for you is, you know, you are not going through this alone. We've got you. And, but, but, you know, the hard part is you have to reach out with that vulnerability and say, I accept. So tell somebody if it's hard, tell somebody if it's crazy and let us share this journey with you because whether it's an individual, a program or a community, we don't want you going through this motherhood alone. Um, and then there's all the other things, the work balance, the the finding where your sparks of joy and passion are, uncluttered spaces, you know, and of course, then the spiritual um, wholehearted soulfulness that makes you feel full and connected to meaning and purpose. But it's not a, but it's not a more to add to your to-do list. It's about really paying attention and, and just looking for pieces of this in every day until one day it really um, starts to become a habit of self-care and self-honoring. So um, take a pause, savor, and know that, that we wish you, I wish you, a very, very, very happy Mother's Day. And um, what I'm going to do now is play for you a podcast from a few years ago. It is podcast number 92, and it is with three of my favorite moms talking about self-care. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy a week of gratitude and comfort. Bye. Today's podcast is self-care. We all know the adages, put your oxygen mask on first. You can't pour from an empty cup. 
Self-care is not selfish. And yet, self-care is especially challenging with all the physical and emotional needs of young children and the steep learning curve of figuring out your own parenting identity and figuring out your ever-changing child. But we can do this. I have three moms at the square table today who have made self-care a priority. I'm excited to welcome Carly Tokar, Melissa Scarfone, and Jessica Fleischman. I can't wait to hear how you are juggling everyone's needs in your families. But let's start with Carly. I'm grateful that you picked this topic, and I know that you have a professional and personal interest in making it work. So tell us, where, where are you in your self-care journey? So, and tell um, us about your family dynamic and what you're juggling. Sure. So I have a wonderful husband, and I have a five-year-old son going into kindergarten. I have a 13-month-old son who is home with um, a babysitter slash nanny. She's my girlfriend's mom, so she's kind of like a third grandma Beautiful. to us. And um, I'm a chiropractor. I work with prenatal and pediatric populations as well as everybody in between. Um, I, I really love working with kids. I love working with um, pregnancy, postpartum. Um, and obviously having been a mom for five years now, I um, can relate to a lot of the things that the moms are going through, whether it's physical issues that they have, you know. Because you on. know the price of stress. Exactly. Um, and um, I am obviously trying to keep all the plates spinning and, and balance a little bit of my professional life and my personal life and keeping the kids happy and healthy. and. Yeah trying to maintain a relationship and keep my house from crumbling. So it's definitely, yes, yes. So where are you? One day at a time. Why did you pick the topic? I picked the topic because I found that for my own sanity and my own mental health that I had to make self-care a priority pretty early on in um, the life of my first child. And um, I feel really confident about talking about it with people because I see what it can do to moms when they don't make time for themselves. Um, I okay, feel, so give us the horror stories. I Well, I feel very blessed because I feel like I have a village, and I know not everybody has that, so I do have a lot of people and, um, that are able to help me so that I can exercise or go on a date with my husband or whatever the case may be. Um, and some people don't have that at all or don't realize that they need that because all they're doing is focusing on their children 100% of the time, which obviously feels like the most important job in the world but if you can't take care of yourself then you can't be a good you know you can't be a good parent you can't be a good human you can't right. be a good partner that's right so, that's right you can't do all the things you're trying to do and it all starts to crumble yes. because not only is the, the the cliches the oxygen mask and the cup full right. but it's also that you are a really and I'm going to a little judgment stinky parent it, a role model for your child. The sons ra- grow up thinking moms are doormats, moms are here to meet my needs and aren't going to take care of themselves, me, 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 me. So it really fulfills the, uh, I mean, I want to be, I want child's needs met in a household, of course, but if children's needs are the only needs met, then your children are seeing you frustrated and unhappy, and then that's a whole different 
um, image that they will actually take on themselves, and especially for our daughters, where they wake, they grow up thinking, you know what, I'm not supposed to know what I need. I'm not supposed to be able to speak up for what I need. And I'm supposed to please other people before I take care of myself. So, okay, we're going to come back to how and what you've been yeah. doing. Um, <laughs> There's nothing left. So, oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. I got a whole list. So go for it, Melissa. So this, You said, this is my thing when we posted this on Facebook. This is my thing. And like she so sweetly put and simply put that the minute I became a mother is the minute this became precise, my focus, um, whether I liked it or not. And, you know, it, you know, I'm going against my family dynamic. I'm going against my other in-law family dynamic of self-care, you know, I'm, I was battling that and, you know, kind of going against the current of that. So tell everybody how old your children are so they know the history of this journey for so you. So my children are currently four and three. They're just over a year apart, um, which was really even more emphasis on self-care um, when the second one came. So two little girls. So that's basically so you had to fight for it. I had to fight for it and I had to really come to terms with the fact that I was more useful when I took some self-care. Yeah. And I became very, you know, can you describe the pre and post self-care mom? So, with my first, I became super mom, you know, running ragged. I would jump out of the shower with shampoo in my hair when my baby cried you know, being the good mom, you know, tending to every need. Um, and then as that went on, months in, no sleep, you know, I wore myself ragged. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it began to show, I, you know, I developed some anxiety, which I had no history of anxiety. You know, I was grouchy. I was a mess. And, you know, I think anyone would be. Absolutely. With the no sleep and the, you know, constantly giving out. Uh, trying to maintain the house. Well, you you know all the things she said. You Absolutely. know, just learning that whole rhythm. And and I want to come back to the how, when, and where. But I'll, I want to go to Jessica next, because there is one qualifier that I want to put out there. And then of course I want your feedback as the people that are living this. I always say to moms, let's say for sleep deprived, you know that that first year you are you it's it's a crazy journey and you will be sleep deprived and you're going to be out of your element because i believe with first children it takes you a year to kind of fall into who you are in relationship to this little person and i have my my very intuitive theory no research behind this whatsoever mm. is that that sleep deprivation is part of the bonding it's part of the thing that says I'm not supposed to be as efficient as I always am I'm not supposed to be in control as I always am I'm not supposed to be as organized and that and that can be really uncomfortable for certain personality types on that first year mm -hmm. but I think that some of us some people some women especially need the freedom and flexibility to go okay I might have to have I might need you to cut me a break <laughs> because I, I I I might not be able to take care of myself as well during that first year but as your babies grow into more independence and into more freedom and exploration they give you signals that says okay I need you a little bit less which is also the reason sometimes you have babies around 18 you get pregnant around 18 months because it's like okay I missed the baby stage I'm going back to do it again but I just want to put that qualifier out there that when we talk about self-care that first year is a really hard year for self-care and and it's different 
different than the after three years mm-hmm. of, of self-care, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Jessica, tell us where you are, because, um, again, you pride yourself on, on making this a true priority. Um, I didn't always make it a, like, one of my priorities. It's, it's still a work in progress for me. I, at the moment, have a, um, a one-year-old that's about to turn two next month, and then a three-year-old and a almost five-year-old. So I will have a two, three, and, well, four, almost five. Anyway, I have three little kids all a year apart, and An they're all active, girls. Active, active, active. They're not sit-quiet little girls no. in color. Yeah. No. Amazing. And Ryder's not a sit-quiet little guy. No. Yeah. They are really, I, I, I don't know human beings like these girls. I still can't believe I made these people. But um, my husband, they're all my husband. Um, you know, I, I think with the first, like you were saying, I, I think it's totally okay. You have to find your rhythm as a mom and kind of like just, it, it takes a while to learn your baby, learn yourself as a brand new human being. So I kind of gave myself like a get out of jail free card. That's a good way to put for it. For a while. Yes. Because there was no expectation really on myself. Um, but like, Unless, of course, there's postpartum. And then we'll come back to that one because that's a big high need. You've got you've to know this is different than normal. Mm-hmm. So... Right. So, I mean, I had, right. Um, I got, um, I got pregnant year after that, but you know, you have to prioritize yourself a little bit in your pregnancies. So like, just because I, I was cut felt like I was constantly pregnant for three years, four oh, years. Wow, you were. So, yeah. So, um, it, well, fast and that forward. takes a physical toll as well as emotional toll. Right. Sure. And I, I was actually physically fine after my first two. And then after my third, is where kind of my my world, like as I knew it, started crumbling because my body wasn't responding mm-hmm. as it normally had. Right. You know, I think I just drained it of so many things. And um, okay, so what has been your self care in the last so, two years that have got that's gotten you back to so strong, powerful? And- I'm now in basically coming on the end of year two. Um, I'm not pregnant. What and have you learned? And what have you learned? Post- so I've learned that, like, I'm not afraid to say, you know what? Babe, the kids are yours. And I don't, I'm learning, you know, I felt like they needed me. Mm-hmm, I felt like mm-hmm. without me, the house would fall. Okay, wait. Whoa. Pause there. I want to talk about that. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? I feel like I've become a lot more lax with the second child with that and I've also seen you know this person that I fell in love with and was a partner with become a dad and that's a really awesome role to see him take on um and I knew that he could do it but you never really but know but it's hard to let go first child and especially young first child yes it is hard to let go but I think part of the bigger perspective of allowing yourself to care for yourself is to say you know what I trust this person this is yes. my life partner he's He's not helping. He's not watching the kids. He's their dad. That's right. That's right. And so is all of that extended family. Correct. You know, I, I mean, when you if you're if if you're somebody is going back to work very, with with a young child, it's okay to trust and let the let your village step up for you. Yes, teachers, even if you're doing drop off, are going to love those babies and share and be on your team. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. 
um, that because you want them to need you and you want to be the person that they need so much but you're ch- and they will never not need you as you need your mothers but there is this thing where if you can allow other people to bring themselves into this relationships with your children your children have an amazing experience of knowing I have a lot of people that I can trust and count on and take care of all of us how did you get past the they need me Melissa well I'll be I'll be blunt I'm right there right now in my journey as my children are now three and four they're starting pre-k you know the whatever year before that is um so I'm right there and I'm just beginning to really let go fully in a way that I'm traveling for three, four days for the first time away from the family. Good I'm for hearing you. the same. It's good for you. Yeah. And so to hear it, it's like, okay, this does feel good. It feels safe. It's like, okay, I'm not the only one kind of struggling to fully release. I had a girls weekend this past Yay! Yeah. I find, you know... I, I, it, was on the, it was on the calendar for like five months, but my husband's like, you should totally do it. And what did you learn from the trip? It was awesome. Like, nobody cares. No, nobody. Oh. No one cares. You know, it's funny. I'm like, I go touch. He's like, my husband wants me to go. He wants me to go, go, go. And you go and you're like, it was fine. So if you can give yourself permission, lots of people want to give mothers permission to take care of themselves, yeah. to, to ha- take the help. But it's so hard to fight that. I, I, they need me. It's no one will ever. It's intuitive. It's bizarre. I agree. It's, whether it's better. cultural, whether yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't. You can explain better where it comes from. Weird. But once somebody gives you that permission, and I think it's a baby step. You know, if you go out on that Saturday night date and you and when your baby is four months old, you're calling home every half hour or you cut it short and you're home in 45 minutes because you had one glass of wine and came back home. All great, but it's those baby steps, and you only realize that I can leave by leaving, and that I'll come back, and it'll be whole and safe and sacred. Um, and your children only learn it by you leaving. And if you, I mean, I will tell a story because I have niece, um, my nephew and his wife didn't took a trip to Hawaii when their oldest was six, but they had never left, never left. So it was me and a, and another aunt and a grandmother, three of us for two children. <laughs> Two little girls. That way. But the six-year-old was like, are they going to be okay? They're going on a plane. What if something happens? What if they don't oh come back? God. And I'm like, yeah. don't wait till six to go away. Yeah. You, you, it's it's too long. Yeah, um, so you re- they need those experiences young to, for them to have that trust that you can leave and come back. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and it's funny because I was never like that overprotective. I mean, I literally leave the house so much without kids right so it's an interesting thing that i feel this thing that they need because the truth is i do it on a daily basis um but to actually choose to say you know what i'm going to go get on a plane and leave and be far enough away that they cannot reach me yes so so here's what i think i think that self-care is very very individual and it's very layered and very complicated and it's full of contradictions like that i give my girls a lot of space i do this i'm you know i'm very trusting of this inner circle but here's where my edge is here's where it's a challenge and and so what i want to ask because the other thing that that i struggle when I hear from other mothers is that, you know, I'm doing all these things I'm supposed to do. I get to the gym, I get my nails, I get a date night, 
but I'm still feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. So there's a lot of myth about self-care. There's a lot of stuff that people tell you you're supposed to do, but it might not really be the stuff that fills you up. So what mm, my question for mm. all of you no. is, <laughs> is what works and what doesn't work? What does self-care mean for you? And what parts of self-care don't fit for you? Well, so it's interesting. You know, I get my nails done. I go to the gym if I want to. You know, I, I actually have the luxury of doing a lot of me things. And the truth is, it still doesn't feel that, like, I think kids are naturally, they're, they pull at you in so many ways. And, you know, I don't want to say they need me, but they do need me. I mean, and for whatever reason, they do not cry the moment they see daddy, but the moment mommy walks in, that, like, veil falls and they just become so emotional. Yes. So it's. I, I sometimes literally say, you know what? I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to go cry now. Because, like, I need okay. a time out for myself because the emotions are so huge. In my house. This is so huge. And this gets to the deepest part of it. And the book that I love for children is How Do You Fill Your Child's Bucket? Or What Fills My Bucket? Whatever that is. And, and so it's this so that you can teach them. Is that filling or is it taking away? Was that that extra thing I put in the schedule, did that make me exhausted, tired, angry, hungry, um, lonely? Or did it make me feel full? And when you can start practicing and modeling, and then, so here's what I wanna say to that. Two things, when you feel like there's that, there's a thing that says, they need me, they need me, they need me, come into the bubble, come into the mom bubble. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but you see, when I do the transition class, and I know these children are ready to leave that bubble in an age-appropriate, very calculated, finite baby step way. What I say is this is about emotional development, emotion coaching, emotion literacy. I want children to know that when they're angry, frustrated, confused, uncertain, all of those things, that there are, there's a whole world that's their safety net and that it's not just mom or dad or the caregiver or who's ever in that room and that you can still go. And so the, the phrases that I've been using is how do you not bubble wrap them? How do you give them confidence but let them know they still have your unconditional love? And what's, what I love is you got this. You can handle whatever stress and anxiety there is and I'm going to help you find the tools to do that. That's part of the emotion coaching that is appropriate at every, at for the twos, threes, fours through life, mm -hmm. and then for us. and then. But that alone isn't enough. That feels a little like tough love. You can do it. You can do it. It feels like a push without the safety. So I want the back of that to be, and I've got you. I've got you, but I also believe in you, in your mastery, in your confidence to mm -hmm. be able to go forward. So this is not only about emotion coaching for ourselves, but emotion coaching so that we can go through that process have our insight into ourselves and our children. And if your children are like your husbands, then it means that insight into them that says, and let me know how what you're really trying to express that you express differently than I do. So there's a lot in that. Yes, they need you. They will always need you. But they also need the skills to connect the dots and move forward. And I want to say, not just for you, because I know you're, you, you have been actively going pursuing this, but it's still the journey that says what really fills me up.
what really fills me up. And there were moms at this table that said, you know what, I had to go and start doing stand-up. I had to go start a new business. I had to go find something big that said, I need something that's just for me and that's that's sustaining. I so, think it's really important, generally. Like, when you become a mom, in some ways, it's like people are like, oh, you're Ayla's mom. Oh, you're Sienna's yeah, mom. Yeah. Hot. You know, so in some way, you lose your old identity and you take on a new one. And that's amazing. But at the same time, I think after doing it for, you know, three years, five years, six years, whatever it is, you start to say like, hey, that's what right. about me? And you've had other complicating life well, situations, you know, really where, where there were medical situations in your family so right. that you were, you did have to, you had to put some things on hold. I had no hold. choice and that that's was right. fine. That's right. It's, so it's, but that's, so you can't all do, it's not like nobody's allowed to be out here listening and beating themselves up for not self-care. It's how do I have kindness, compassion, acceptance for where I am and start figuring out what I need. Right. So back to the question. The question is what fits and doesn't fit? with the myths of self-care for you, Carly? Um, well, I, having had time to be home with my older son for five months before I started my practice, um, was a different time in my life. We traveled, um, which was really strange and cool, um, out of the country for yeah. five weeks. Um, and then having the family to help me, like, you know, so I felt the confidence to start my practice in Florida because I had practice in Georgia. Um, I, I always knew that I wanted to work. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I just didn't really know how I was going to do sure. both. And I, I, thankfully, five years later since I've had my first son, found a really wonderful um, combination of um, working three days a week, being home with the kids two days a week and then on those two days finding some time for myself yeah you found purpose and passion yes and you find time for yourself you know and I see a lot of my friends um or acquaintances you know um who are stay-at-home moms and you know do a million things with their kids all the time and I'm like I don't feel jealous I I'm happy for them it looks like they're having a great time you know I get to do a lot of things with my kids on those two days that I'm off or on the weekend that some people don't have an opportunity to do I feel very lucky and grateful for that um but um I am just you know like I said I think for me personally like having having a, a purpose with having known what I wanted to do as a career since I was a teenager. Not everybody can say that because my career, my profession, healthcare changed my life. I had some health issues that it helped with. And also loving, having always loved kids, being a dance teacher and a camp counselor and a babysitter and all those things and then being able to mesh those passions together with my work and being able to have my own family. It, it's It's been a nice fit for me, but it's I've, I've had to make it a priority. And, and I have another first, question. In the first year, it's very difficult. And in the second, you know, the second time around, it was also very Because you're juggling a whole... The sleep. And for me, I had a lot of nursing issues. And thankfully, we got through them. But there's just all these obstacles that always come at you. And you just have to find the right support. Something's that's always going to throw off the perfect one of the self-care. the biggest things is just finding support and whatever it is and, and being able to ask for help if you need it. Okay, now you've said a couple nice things about date night and having a loving, supportive partner. What I want to ask is, does it ever feel like the dating, the, the couple time, is another 
bullet another bullet on I gotta do this I'm supposed to do this and instead of filling you up it feels like another thing that you've got that's on your to-do list I think you're gonna say no but I I mean you don't have to answer no I don't I don't it really that it really it's not a yeah no I I feel like I have I have 10 times more self-care than my husband does because of the because he's got an intense business yeah right right and his mentality and his work ethic is unlike a lot of people that I know so I decided, you know, I'm going to try to fit in self-care for him. So I started taking on that role for him, which is kind of interesting. But I know that he's appreciative of it. Yeah. But, yeah, going on a date, I don't feel like that's taking away from anything that I need. Good. Because that is Good. something that I need. Because I want to be happy in my relationship. And sometimes yeah. you focus so much on your kids, you don't want to, like, not have a relationship. It you don't certainly be matters. With your partner. It you certainly matters. Yeah. And, so. and But I think that I think the secret is that, that you want that genuine connection. Yeah. You know, if it's just going here, doing this, doing this, and you forget to really talk, yes. and you forget to really hold Put each other. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. You know, be present. To really be in love again and, yeah. and, and, and court each other a little bit out separate from the kids. Alyssa, myths and, and realities for you for self-care. Myths and realities are just, for me, self-care recently is just having space. Um, I do the yoga, the manicure, the hair, the whole who cares, you know, thing, the, you know, the bullets on the list. And then I'm still tapped out. So then I've kind of come around to just getting space, whether it's... Reading, Where do you get your space? I read a book. It can be really minimalistic things I'm finding are the most therapeutic for me lately, which is even funnier. Um, I used to have to escape and get a massage to get out of the house and away from the kids and sort of check out um, rather than lock myself in the room and hear everybody downstairs. So it was kind of like the only way I could really check out. And that's a tough one when yeah. mom has to leave the house for her peace. That's, yes. that's yeah. a struggle. Yes, yeah. for an introvert, it was very annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> how, did, how did you achieve that in your own home? Um, I have you. I would... I would leave for a massage. Now, right now, the kids are older, so I'll, I'll read as they, you know, as they're out with the nanny at the playground. I'll take an hour. I'll take a bubble bath. It can be the simplest, simplest things. I go to the mall and stroll mindlessly on my phone, you know, talking to someone. It's really those things yeah. that seem to give me the most decompression. But if you can teach your children to respect you needing space, and that's, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember I had a working mom, and she would come home from work and say, I just need 15 minutes. And, I'm, and I was school age, and I'm sure I, uh, she was lucky if I gave her five. So it's very hard with the demandingness of, but I got to tell you this, and I want this. But if you can help teach them, you know what, I'll be back. You can trust that I'll be back, and I will genuinely connect with you. Or I'll give you 15 minutes before I need to go and take a long shower or hide in, in, you know, but to let them see you, you know what, this is what fills my bucket. This is what takes care of me. And just as much as I want your bucket to be full, I want you to be happy about my bucket being full. And and three and four-year-olds can understand that. Yeah, we do that. We practice that at my house. I'm big on teaching boundaries and having respect and everyone needs a moment to breathe. Um, so whether it's any of them that need a moment to breathe, they can have it. But if I need my moment to breathe or Todd does, you know, look, if you want to be in my room while I take a shower, that's fine. I'll put on the TV for you or whatever it is. Yeah. But you 
you have to give me the space and you cannot come into my bathroom. And start small. You know, by the time I finish a shower or, you know what, I'm going to play this one song. You know, like you can can coach them. You know, preschoolers do not have a great sense of delayed gratification or of time. And so, (laughs) you know, a minute can feel like, like 10. Or so it's giving them those concrete ways to measure time so that they can then wait for you to finish something and and if you and I promise you um, that if you always remember what you've just asked them to delay for and remember to connect with them on the other side they learn to wait for the connection because the connection is so worth it for them I mean and that's the research is really clear on that all the way through teenagers what do children want from you your presence and so instead of that distracted i'm half with you i'm paying attention but i'm multitasking that just creates greater neediness of everybody in the family so the space the pause all of that of coffee in the morning guys give me 15 minutes you know that's and if and and you know it's it's tough but those of us that are morning people, we're happy to wake up a half an hour earlier for something. If you're a night person, don't fool yourself that you're going to get up 15 minutes early. You might have to stay up the extra hour at night. So you have to really, really know yourself and know what works so that you're feeling like, oh, now I regret staying up the extra hour. No, it was like, yes, I did it. And I did something awesome for me. So, okay, so the guilt. The, um, the judgments of other people who try to pick away at you being selfish or taking time for yourself. This gets me so excited. So <laughs> it really does. It gets me very triggered. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I don't know. Because you had to fight for it. Probably. But needless to say, mm. my self-care seems to be also like a jack-in-the-box effect. Like the minute I get my grip on it, it changes shapes. I think that's what Carly was saying too. Yeah, Um, life will change it for you. It's interesting. So it's always a dance of back and forth and, you know, kind of going overboard a little bit. There was an awkward learning stage of becoming slightly self-absorbed. Oh, if if you don't mind, (laughs) because I think that's part of the process of like, because your need is so great that it's like, it's, 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 and that's what happens when needs aren't met. I mean, it goes right to the entitlement free child and, and the entitlement adult, which is if my needs aren't met, I need more, 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 because I don't feel like I will ever have enough. So it's a hard, yeah, so if you don't mind um, how, how you became aware of that. Well, just self-regulating and really checking in, you know, instant to instant, moment to moment. Like, it's a, it's a big thing for me. Uh, just making sure I'm not becoming that person. And, that, and you have to know that past generations, mothers were running away from homes on a regular <laughs> basis because it came after, culturally, it came after the, we are the perfect domestic givers. Mm-hmm. And so there was a cultural backlash for a whole, you know, for a period of time, I don't want to date myself, but, but it makes sense. Poor things. Because, and so, you know, I mean, think of, um, um, I forgot the name of the movie <laughs> with Dustin Hoffman, uh, falling down. No, oh, no. Well, oh, time. Um, yeah. I have to come back. When mom ran away, Meryl Streep played the mom, and she ran away from home. It's a '70s oh, movie. No, Meryl. Anyway, we'll come back to that. <laughs> so go to the, um, you know how you knew, how you knew that that was the wrong track for you. I I can't remember at this moment. Let me think for a second. I can't remember a certain instant. It's just a matter of self-modulating myself. So okay, does this feel selfish? Am I being a child? Um, you know, 
How do you answer that question? I can just feel into it. I don't know how to answer it. It's sort of like I take a moment and just gather myself in either my hysteria or my exhaustion, and I'll just reevaluate. It's a beautiful example. I mean, because I know that feeling with, I mean, the hysteria, the the, when you want to just have that temper tantrum that's like, (laughs) but what about me? And and, and then you do something rebellious or defiant that like, well, the heck with you guys. Like, I'm not cooking for a week or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, But that idea, and I, but I'm, but thank you for saying that because there is that that awareness that we we when our needs aren't met, we revert to childlike two-year-old me, my now behavior. I mean, that's 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 very honest and very very candid. I thank you. I mean, I kind of to touch base on what you said. I, I don't think I feel guilty for my let's talk about guilt. Yeah, go I for want. guilt. I, I I feel guilty about other things, <laughs> not about taking care of myself. Okay. That's a whole nother subject for another Another podcast. But, you know, I I think I have a really good example. I was going to say, like, in my husband, who is a wonderful father, and he he happened to have, just to backtrack on what Karen said, he had a a life-changing accident a year ago, and we're still dealing with, like, the, you know... Multiple surgeries. Yes, we're going to have a whole nother year of... 13 surgeries in three months, and then we've got a whole nother slew of things coming up. So, but it's pretty amazing. Even before he went through this, I I will say what I've learned from him is he still said, hey, you know what? I need to go on a guy's trip, and I need to go on this adventure. And I said, look, I cannot join you today, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to join you in three months. So you go, get it out of your system, and come back ready to, like, join the club, Okay. So I realized, but I'm not doing that for myself. And I think after giving every ounce of myself for six months when he was in the hospital, um, I said, whoa, I need to now. I need to get myself back in the the mix. uh, I need to like, yeah, I need to like raise my hand and say, I need a little me time and I'm worthy of it. It's so. um, Are there things you've learned to say no to? Yes. I... I don't fear, and this is going to another place, but I fear, like, if I didn't say yes to everything, that I would be a failure. Mm-hmm. Because I'm kind of that person that is, like, an overachiever, and I'm very competitive. I kind of have to be the best at everything I do. So it's like, I took all those things that I did my whole life, and I put it into being a mommy, and I made it almost like, my career. Okay, oh, I, see, so I had to God. do the big exhale there because mm-hmm. it, that's it's exhausting. that, and I think that's one of the struggles of parenthood. I mean, today, and it's been a acu- it's been accumulating over decades. Um, I mean, Mothering <laughs> wow. Magazine wrote it in the eighties. Be careful of too precious parenting and they I mean we saw it happening we saw that it was just you know that this idea of but again and and this and and women who are smart and professional and want to be the best are pouring all of that into motherhood and as with marriages I mean these are relationships these are messy 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 things that's why see me hear me love me is celebrating the messes because you can't manage this family stuff in the same way you can manage. No, because they talk back to you and 
Ain't no, but you do everything is, right one day and the next day it's all for naught. I'm like, and I'm okay <laughs> with messy. I'm okay with emotion and I'm okay with the crazy. But I think what it is is, you know. You can't yeah. be perfect. Well, also I think with social media yeah. and we're able to connect to so many other mothers and we have like mommy and me's and we can't. I'm, I don't want to say we compare because it's not about doing it like anybody else. You're trying to do it better. You're in a fishbowl like never before. But it's, yeah, it's like the expectations of, I think, in today's age, a mom is kind of, you're expected to work, but you're expected to be a perfect mom. You're expected to cook and take care of the husband and look beautiful for date nights. And I think the lines are blurred as to kind of, what our responsibilities are supposed to be in today's day. And only day. you can answer it. And so, it's a hard... You're nodding, Carly. How did hard. you answer those questions for yourself about giving up the expectations that people or society might have on you? It's an interesting topic. I, I was literally just talking about this with a girlfriend at dinner who I met in prenatal yoga. Our older sons are one day apart. Mm -hmm. And we've maintained, thankfully, a really wonderful friendship, very open and honest with each other. I don't see each other that often, but when we do, our kids love each other, and I love her, and she loves me. And, you know, she's, like, you know, bringing up some of the moms, and she's like, this mom is so creative with all the ideas. Like, I can't believe, like, all these pictures that she takes, and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, you know, everybody puts all the good stuff online, right? And I'm like, we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I mean, every once in a while, I'll put a picture of my kid throwing a tantrum or my son's nine-month picture in his first year of pictures. He was totally <laughs> freaking out with a red face because I couldn't get him to, like, take a nice one. So I put a nine-month picture, you know, stamp on him, like, having a complete meltdown. Perfect. And I'm like, Perfect. this is real life. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people like to promote all of the good and obviously not necessarily share the things that are difficult because why would you? And it's it's unfortunate because it makes a skewed reality of what's really going on and I think it makes people who have anxiety or some level of depression or they're not confident or whatever the case may be they only see the good stuff and they're like okay well, so why? hold your thought for that conversation yep. because I want to answer the why would you why would you put up the picture of your child losing it being exactly what that age is supposed to be, being loud, being heard and seen, and outside of those narrow, narrow boundaries of mm -hmm. what this world now expects for children, because in my career, those lines got narrower and narrower, as they have for you as well, and now they're becoming narrower and narrower for fathers, and the Pew Foundation is supporting that completely. So what I want to say is because we start to believe it, and we start, I mean, I think you have an obligation to please, please, please do whatever you can to break through and or to validate and say, or even to just say, okay, I'm showing you the, the great stuff, but you've got to know, I mean, you've got to, you've got to find a way. And, and I will say, I'm so proud of the podcast we put up this morning, um, which is on um, how to, how to couples respect differences and support each other when it matters. And it was the, the marital therapist saying, here's our book answer, but here's what we're really like. Because they were like, because no couple lives by the book and no parent can live by the book and no child can live by the book. So please, 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 yes, why would you put up pictures of your child and your family not perfect? Because we need everyone to celebrate the messes, to celebrate the real stuff. Because I don't want this world thinking that kids really can be the way 
they're being portrayed in this world. Sorry, so back to your conversation. So you're having a heart-to-heart with a woman, and I love that you say, she loves me and I love her. You know, that's powerful, powerful, that person that really gets you, and you know you can be truly yourself with her. I, I don't know. I feel like I just like to be, I'm just a very laid-back person, and I like to be real with people because it's hard for people to be honest. Yes about a lot of things in their life. Because it has to because it's not safe. And, and we have and to create that safety. I found this unique thing in my career where not only do I help people physically with issues, but I feel like I'm also partly their therapist. Yeah. Because um, it's a whole mind, body, soul thing. Of course. And yeah, you know, sometimes people will come in for one thing and then they're leaving crying and hugging me and that's great. And I'm I'm honored that they feel like they can open up to me and I don't always have the answers for them but I do like to feel like I can be an open book and if someone has a question about something with parenting that I can give advice to I will I don't just offer my opinions you know when it comes to like parenting unless I'm I'm specifically asked especially in the professional setting but um, I think I think it just makes people feel more connected and more supported Um, and I feel like that is so important for your mental health and to get through parenthood in the first couple of years that are the most challenging when you know that you have support and you can be open and honest with people and share the good stuff and share the bad stuff with them. I mean, you know, when you're nursing a baby or you're up in the middle of the night feeding your baby in the beginning and they don't sleep through the night until however old they are because my 13-month-old still doesn't. Sure. So I, you know, I'm up every once in a while sure. and, and my older one started sleeping through the night when he was 12 months, you know, finding those little mom groups on Facebook or having a group chat with, you know, other moms of kids the same age or maybe like some old friend from high school that you can connect with because your kids are around the same age. I had those and I have those. And even though I have my village around me, like, I I don't know where I would be if I didn't have it. You need to know you're not alone. Yes. I mean, because motherhood is so isolating. And it is. That's a perfect way to describe it. So... Even though... You You're really child. not isolated. That's right. It that's is. right. It is. There's something because it feels like it's on your shoulders. Yeah. It feels like there's so much, and it feels like everything stops with me. Yeah, and I'm never alone. And that's yet, right. Like, literally, it's lonely. It's lonely. Yeah, it and so the yeah, I, and so uh, that and I think that's one message for self care that even if you can't do all of the things that fill your bucket, if you can re- find ways to remind yourself or connect in some way with someone or or to say I'm not alone in this then you don't feel, then it just takes away that isolation I think so, sorry go ahead or no. find a chiropractor with heart right. <laughs> absolutely well, also, what you a said, tool. Though, I think part of what's really <laughs> yeah. big is you know I'm really big believer in like women needing women yes and I think we're each other's biggest supports and you know in a lot of I, I became really close with I think that's part of why we stay so close to the mommies that we met in preschool Mm -hmm. because we shared this crazy time together. Um, But yeah, it it helps to know you're not alone Um, because my husband, as close as I think, it's a different kind of understanding. It is very different. And like we, we get to go out every night. We have a, you know, date nights all the time and it's amazing. But yet, you know, He'll never it's a different be, need. He'll never it's be a, a woman, yeah. you know? So. They don't really so, know right. what you've gone through. Yeah. Right. They know it from listening and empathetically, from, but not from within. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Melissa, what parts of self-care don't work for you? What what What's the stuff that you had to say, no, no, that's not my way? So self-care, when 
uh, my youngest one just turned three, so I'm beginning to really socialize and build more of my tribe now um, than I ever did before. Entertaining at my house, simple things, cooking more, um, really saying yes to more things. I'm sleeping now. Um, I s really believe that I'm just now recovered. Beautiful. And she's turning three. Yeah. Um, really coming back to myself. So deciding, okay, now it's time, you know, is it time to go to work? Do I still need another year? You know, what do I want to do? Do I want to play? You know, which I really do. Do I want to travel? Which I'm doing. Um, do I want to go out and have a few drinks and have a hangover? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I've really been that uptight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be good for me to do something and really naughty. And, and that's just a beautiful image, coming back to myself, because there's parts of you that got put on hold or or have been invisible for a period of time that you that is a stranger and so it is important to go back and say I didn't forget you I didn't mm -hmm. forget you come on back out right so I want to do the wrap-up the wrap-ups always the same and of course I thank you wholeheartedly for all of that everything that you shared from your hearts today um, but how have you got this for right here for right now where you are how do I have self-care um, just scaling back and really making it about simple things. Just keeping it simple, no frills, just answering to myself and really being clear about that. Really nothing spectacular. It's just really it getting It is quiet. spectacular because I think in this world, stepping back and slowing down and taking the pause and the stillness sometimes is the hardest thing that's to do. It. Yeah, yeah, it's very simple. Carly, how have you got this? I just made a decision a few years ago, I don't remember exactly when, but that I just needed to make my own health, mental and physical health and well-being a priority. And so I've slowly but surely figured out the things that I need to feel fulfilled yeah. and the things that aren't as important. And I think I'm a better person, I'm a better mom, a better wife, a better daughter, a better chiropractor when I feel fulfilled with those things. Beautiful. And, and when you said taking care of your health, it also reminds me, like another question, and I'm just going to throw it out there for the listeners, but it's, it's who takes care of you? Now, I mean, yes, you have this obligation to take care of yourselves, but again, there's this idea that you have to identify those people that also are on your side, mm -hmm. that, that are there and willing to, to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. Jessica, how have you mm -hmm. got this? Yeah, I think Melissa said it like beautifully, and mm -hmm. I do feel the same way. Um, just like basic, simple needs that are the things that I felt like I overlooked because I thought they would be there, but they weren't. So just like the consistency of getting my little tushy to the gym as often as I can, because for me that just, it lets me exhale so much of crap, you know? Um, and then the rest of my day, I feel so much better the rest of the day. And it's like I forgot to do that. Yeah, um, yeah and, I, I, and I'm a singer, so I'm going back to singing oh, again. I mean, just singing, whether you're a singer or not. Pleasure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. there you go. And that's like that's my whole life, so I'm starting to dance again. It's just like I could actually cry because, for me, I mourned that. Mm -hmm. um, and... It was my life for 26 years. That's all I knew. So now it's like I'm making that little thing a priority. 
and all the other crap can happen. I'm still going to sometimes be over, sure. just overreact because sure. it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's like, you know what? Oh, well, I can't do this. Nanny, you go. And I love her and I'm so grateful for her. And sometimes it's like, I'll send her to mommy and me because I'm like, I need me time. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, and we all applaud you for doing that. And whatever judgments are out there in the world, it's like, sorry, this is Teflon. No coming at me. Um, I thank you all. And I can't wait to turn off the podcast and give you all a big hug because I just love everything you shared tonight. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, 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 one more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at, at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week. <laughs>